I don't know who you are, but welcome to the Irish Photography Podcast. Sit back, relax, and listen about cameras, gear, settings, stories, and all things photography. Join Darren on Ireland's Best Photography Podcast. Let's go. Very welcome to episode 143 of the Irish Photography Podcast. My name is Darren, I'm your host, and I'm joined by somebody who's hopefully going to be able to educate me on something I know very, very little about. Seems to be the buzzword at the moment, which is NFTs. And I've heard a lot of people talk about it, heard a lot of things good and bad in relation to it. And I wanted to ask somebody who at least could tell me something because they've been doing a lot of research and I know they're really, really understanding the subject inside and out. So I'm delighted to welcome Adrian Mordi. Did I pronounce your surname correctly, Adrian? You did. <laughs> Hi, Darren. Uh, yeah. How's it going? <laughs> <laughs> very good. Very good. Very good. Thanks very much for coming on. It's uh, a pleasure to have you on. And, yeah, you know, you and I, we, we've spoken, I don't know, a number of times actually on Clubhouse. And I was always fascinated in relation to your approach to photography and your work. And, you know, we'll get into your work throughout the conversation, I'm sure, this evening. But um, for somebody that doesn't know who you are, actually, to start off with, can you tell people who is Adrian? All right, so welcome everyone. So I'm Adrian Modui, and I'm a 31-year-old professional photographer out of France, as my name might suggest, actually. <laughs> um, so I do this full-time, um, and I do cinematography and photography. So that's what, you know, that's... I, I started with photography, and by extension, mm -hmm. I... Um, I landed into the realm of uh, cinematography as well with time-lapse uh, and now I'm doing more and more real-time. So at the very start, I, I did specialize in um, night photography. So this is, you know, this is what I do. Uh, mm -hmm. I, my, the, um, I go out at night, I'm probably like a vampire or something, but I, <laughs> I do go out at night. Um, I do a little bit of landscape during the day and also wildlife, but my, my big interest is in astrophotography. So anything like Aurora, Milky Way, moonshots, uh, the stars, the constellations, the nebulae, you name it. Um, so I did have a deeper specialization in what I call deep sky time lapses. Uh, mm -hmm. Some of the listeners might have seen them in the in the past. Um, I do a lot of innovative, or I try to do a lot of innovative sequences as well, like astro macro. <laughs> uh, we mm -hmm. can develop that afterwards if you want. Mm -hmm. uh, crazy astro panoramas using crazy focal lengths, uh, something that you know people wouldn't really think of uh, mm -hmm. when doing astro. Um, so on a daily basis, I do two things majorly. Um, I do a lot of content production, especially in the summertime, um, because I do sell a lot of my time-lapse sequences and now a little bit of my real-time sequences to big production companies. Wow. Um, I've done, um, I mean, it's those are like the sort of the behind-the-scene production companies, but I've been featured in documentaries on Netflix, Nat Geo, and uh, big platforms, so I'm just starting to get a name for myself, which is which is good. And the second thing is uh, mostly in the winter time, but it's becoming less and less, especially because of the COVID situation. I do guiding and workshops, uh, both for aurora chasing and astrophotography. And 
I think the last thing I want to say for this question is I do live in beautiful Arctic Norway, right under the Aurora. So that's perfect. That's a perfect <laughs> vantage point for me because um, I just need to, you know, get out the door with my camera and I have the Aurora basically. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I think like, you know, anybody that's seen your work on Instagram, I mean, it's nightlight films as well, you know, and that's where, I first came across your work and straight away I was like, wow, look at this. This is just incredible. You say, uh, you know, I, I, I take some photographs of the Aurora. You take incredible photographs of the Aurora. You take incredible deep sky images and your body of work is absolutely phenomenal. Time lapses, incredible, you know, real time, as you say, incredible. So like you are a phenomenally talented photographer and I'm delighted to have you on. And, you know, you've given a fantastic intro in relation to, you know, the different types of photography. But I think what I'd like to kind of know more so on is like your style of photography and how did you kind of develop your style? Yeah. Uh, well, first off, thank you so much. It means a lot also being here with you. Um, and so my style of photography, um, I think I've developed it over the years. Uh, I've been doing this for at first, I did it not or non-professionally uh, as a hobby. I started, I guess, yeah. like a lot of people. Yeah, but sure. um, I've, I've done it for now. It's been almost seven years, I think, seven, eight years, actually. Started in Denmark, um, watching the Aurora for the first time from like a very low latitude. So my first Aurora shots were really crappy, to be honest. And so it can't be amazing in the first time you try anyway, let's be fair. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and, and especially now when I, I look at, uh, I look at pictures of other people, you know, other like young people online that, you know, there's like, Oh, my first picture of the Milky Way. And they just pull out like this. All right. Okay. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. okay. You should look at my first picture. Anyway, yeah. I, I, I digress back to, back to the subject. Um, so my style of photography over the years, I think, has developed a lot. And it's come to a point now where I have this philosophy when, you know, I first start editing a shot, for example, is for me, my goal is I've always been a very visual person. So um, as a starting point, I really want to reveal every little detail, uh, whether it is color or luminance of a picture that I have or a raw mm -hmm. file that I have. So I'm not much of a, you know, like I don't develop my pictures to have a really dramatic look. I really, mm -hmm. I'm going more for a, um, I'm not going to use realistic look because that that's, you know, it's still art. So it's very subjective, but um, yeah, I, I really, you know, strive to, reveal all the little details in there. Uh, I prefer having a very good dynamic range across the frame rather than having a lot of vignette, like a lot of contrast, mm -hmm. um, especially in the night sky with the Milky Way. You know, I, I've been crafting a lot of uh, different techniques to try and reveal the detail without, you know, without being too much, I guess, uh, sure. without yeah. blowing out the highlights or, you know, being oversaturated. Um, mm -hmm. And so, yeah, um, I, I don't do, depending on what your definition of composite is, um, I, I do a lot of blending in my, uh, in my astro work, astro photos. Mm -hmm. uh, so I, I would take like a 
the panorama of the sky, whether it be tracked or stacked, and then I would blend it with its natural landscape using okay. the same gear, the same location, the same uh, orientation, um, you know, and the same settings, basically. Sure. So I'm, yeah, I'm yeah. really trying to recreate um, the scene that I have, but with getting the most detail out of the sky. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, when you think about that and what you're creating, you're creating something which is your mind's eye of what you see, but also, you know, looking at some of the examples of your images, you know, you'll be taking a shot at not your conventional wide angle from a wide, from a Milky Way point of view. You'll go at an 85 or 135 and you'll zoom into that. So you'll create more detail, put that behind the scene that you're already at. And all of a sudden it's more impactful because it's now taking up more space in the frame as opposed to the, the, the wide angle that you've taken for the foreground. So like, it, does you think that that style of photography is something which makes an image not only jump to you, but also to the viewer because it's, it's a wow. It's wow. Look at this. I mean, it's definitely something I think that I hadn't seen before. And where did that concept kind of come from in your own mind? Yeah, I think you're right. Um, it, you know, it's still very recent, this type, this style of, of photography. And now I think more and more astrophotographers starting to, are starting to pick it up in a way and, you know, trying mm-hmm. longer focal lengths to get more details. I think a lot of, of tutorials are also coming out on YouTube, for example, mm-hmm. uh, to do such, such work. But as for me, I think it started, actually started with time-lapse. Uh, believe it or not, it didn't start with photography. Oh. I, um, um, watched a, uh, I think it was a few years back, watched some, uh, really cool sequences of Andromeda and or- the, the Orion Nebula, mm-hmm. you know, passing in front of, of, uh, of a foreground. Okay. And for me, that was like, you know, super revealing, like super, I was like, wow, that is something that I need to investigate. And so mm-hmm. I've developed not only the workflow and, the uh, the technique to shoot the time lapses, and then afterwards, I was like, well, maybe I can translate that into photography as well. So mm. I started using focal lengths like 50 mils, 85 mils, 135. I've attempted more, like 250, I think that was the max. <laughs> but m- most of the, the panoramas that I do now are uh, uh, anywhere between 35 and 135 mil. And it, you're right, it does bring out so much detail even you know not even tracking the sky i posted the, the other day in a picture on twitter of a milky way shot just five seconds per panel or five seconds per panel sorry from la palma so yes the, the sky was good but and people you know it's like 50 50 some people didn't believe that you can actually you could actually get so much detail and reveal the milky way that way with mm-hmm. that technique and mm-hmm. they say no there's no way this is real like and of course, other people saying, well, wow, that's like, as you mentioned, it's like the wow factor. So yeah, yeah, it's, it's definitely new. And I think a lot of people are, um, are getting into it because it's, it's just, I think that's the future of, of astrophotography. I'm still taking wide angles and I still want to show people that it's possible to get absolutely gorgeous images without the need of that. But if you if you're willing to go one step further in your astrophotography, then you should probably consider it. 
Well, you know, a couple of things that come out of that, as you mentioned, the Palma, I mean, you know, Bernard is just after finishing a trip over there and how I came across you is true Bernard, actually. And anybody that hasn't listened to your podcast with Bernard, I'll put a link as well into the description because you had a phenomenal chat with him and it was really good insight into how you think. And if anyone wants to learn more in relation to that as well, like I say, that's a fantastic um, podcast to go listen to. Thanks. But, you know, you, you mentioned here in relation to the wow factor and again, to, to kind of, lean into the the topic of the uh, nfts because it is something that um your i think your photography leans itself towards that because you do get that wow factor and it's like a case of geez this isn't something i've seen before this is like something i've never seen before so how do you think your side of photography has lent towards nfts well i think it also i'm i'm seeing now I'm seeing um, some some uh, very very talented photographers mint similar work, but I think I minted mine at the right time because uh, it's the ones that I've sold. Uh, I think it was one of the NFTs that I sold is uh, uses that technique of mm-hmm. you know okay. that sort of uh, zoomed in uh, panorama and and more detail. So. Mm-hmm. I think that got the attention of, uh, of collectors and especially, I think that was three weeks ago on Twitter, there was another collector looking for nebulae pictures and, you know, like pictures of, um, uh, at least like detailed pictures sure. of yeah. not the deep Milky space. Way, but deep space and deep scapes. And, mm-hmm. uh, I think that's becoming more and more of an interest. So, um, uh, that's, I would say that's definitely good for me that I I do have this uh, this part of um, of um, of work in in my um, in my collection on uh, for sure on the, the NFT platforms, anyways. Yeah, for sure. So tell me, t- time to kind of teach me a bit here, Adrian, in relation to it. Like I say, I know nothing in relation to NFTs, um, and I think it'd be an interesting one as well for our listeners to kind of learn more in relation to them. So the first question I have, I suppose, from that is, what does NFT stand for? Okay, so as a disclaimer, I'm also I've been in the um, in the space for only about three to four months, so okay. I'm yep. probably I'm probably not the best person to ask. But um, and and everything that I'm gonna talk about in terms of NFTs from now on, it's gonna be based on my very little experience. So mm-hmm. you know, if you're if you're wondering about NFTs and what they are, you know, definitely. Take some of of the advice that I have, but also do your own research. But sure. I'm gonna try and you know uh, <laughs> be as precise and concise as possible to explain to you uh, what it is. So NFT stands for it's uh, those are initials, and they stand for non fungible token. Um, so like I said, not even four months ago, I did not know squat <laughs> about <laughs> NFTs, um, and I found myself in in the clubhouse room and to be completely honest they were talking about gas fee and i was you know completely gullible and i was okay it's like oh my god the, the, is, is the the price of gas i was asking them like is the price of gas that high in the u.s mm-hmm. and not you know not realizing they were talking about gas in the nft world and not you know gas that you put in your car and sure was, yeah, yeah. You know, i felt completely stupid um then and um, that's probably what got me 
intrigued about NFTs and started my journey. So, mm -hmm. um, so I looked up what uh, right after that that chat in the room. I looked up what NFT an NFT was, and so um, to make it simple, that is something that you cannot an item. Uh, that is that lives online that you cannot exchange or trade for something of the same val value. Right. So it's a unique, one of a kind asset that only lives online. That's some, not something that is analog, that is physical, that that mm -hmm. is on the internet. Um, that can be anything like an image, a GIF, a movie, a sentence, a song. Um, I think there was also like the CEO of Twitter sold his first tweet as an NFT as well wow. for like, I can't remember the price, but that was like in the thousands of, of dollars. <laughs> wow. And um, so anything that lives online can potentially be an NFT uh, if mm. there is value on it and if like collectors see value in it and if, if there's a market for it, basically. Okay. So now I know what an NFT is. So like, how does it work then in relation to it? So like... You mentioned it's a, it's a digital asset. Explain explain that to me. Basically, anyone that has in on their computer, in their hard drive, if they have like pictures, movies, time lapse, uh, pretty much anything, even like a song, if they have the rights to it, of course, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, they can enter the NFT world. It's something that is very open. It's very new. I mean, NFTs. Are not that new. I think that they're they're here. They've been here for like a few years already. I think it's three or four years. It's okay. that old, but it's become very trendy now. Um, not sure if it's because of photography, but it's becoming, you know, talked about and very famous sure. at the moment. Yeah. yeah. Um, so basically, any anyone who has this kind of uh, of asset can enter the NFT world and basically start either collecting or selling their art in a way. Okay. Um, so when you sell, you're considered an NFT artist, pretty much like in, in the real world, if you're, by, if you're selling your art. Okay. And if you start buying, then you become a collector as well. So okay. most platforms that you're, you're on, we're going to talk about the platforms in a minute, but sure. uh, you have in, in your collections or in your collection sorry you have the assets that you own and you sell and mm -hmm. you also have the assets if you decide to collect from someone else you have the assets that uh you collected and you, that you bought basically okay um and all of these assets they're attached to a a digital wallet um that is something now we're starting to get into the the, the the technical sure the technical yeah. words um i'm with you so far anyway i understand the wallet is where normally i keep money yeah it's not much in it when my wife gets it but yeah i understand that idea <laughs> it, it is and so the main difference with a physical wallet is that your digital wallet you hold in it not only your assets i mean you you, you hold all your assets so not only okay. your your nfts mm -hmm. but you also have of course the money in it, mm -hmm. which mm -hmm. is cryptocurrency. I mean, it, it works on uh, on crypto, and mm -hmm. most of it actually works on the Ethereum ledger or blockchain. Okay. So the blockchain is this huge space operated by uh, 
what we call miners, uh, people behind their computers uh, doing all the transactions and operations. And um, they use a cryptocurrency called the Ethereum. And um, most NFTs are on the Ethereum blockchain. So that means all the transactions, all the assets, um, it's written somewhere in that ledger, in that online uh, space that, that is called a right. blockchain. So yeah, I know that's a mouthful, but it's, <laughs> it's basically <laughs> how it works. Um, it's like a mini world, a mini online world uh, for artists in a way with their own money, their own wallets and their own assets. Okay. To put it simple. So, okay. So I understand now so far what an NFT is. I understand, okay, kind of in relation to how it works, I can have my digital item. I want to sell it or I might want to buy it. And the way that I do that is to go through the Ethereum. Then you mentioned a second ago, but when you mint an image, and I think minting is something as well. I think that now at the moment is becoming part of the most topical types of conversation because there's a lot involved in relation to minting. So explain to me about minting. Okay, so minting is, uh, you know, as its name suggests, it's pretty much like you're minting a coin in, in the real world, like creating mm -hmm. a coin, then you're creating a token. So that means minting an asset to a blockchain. That means just to um, set it in stone somewhere, you know, uh, okay. in the blockchain. So there are people, like I said, there are people behind, you know, when you're about to mint your, your asset in the blockchain. There are people behind that are sitting behind a computer, um, you know, um, executing the the order of, sure. of that uh, of that minting process, basically. Okay. Yeah. Um, and so you mint in your digital wallet. So that's a place. Remember, that's a place where you have all your assets, including mm -hmm. your cryptocurrency. But you need platforms to be minting so that means to be sort of displaying your your artwork sure so those platforms are websites mm -hmm. and um yeah you can display basically pretty much like a gallery so um you for for example to make it simple you have your wallet and you decide to have you decide to sell on two two platforms and you can so you decide to um, sell on a platform that's called OpenSea. We're going to talk about it. And sure. another one called Foundation. That is possible. So each the same item being sold on, on two different things. No. So that is what you can do. Okay. You cannot do. So ah, okay. Um, you have to choose your platform. And I think we're going to expand a bit more on that afterwards. Sure. Like yeah. Which one is, is best for what? Yeah. Um, so you cannot have the same item once it's minted somewhere you cannot have it in another place uh, otherwise it wouldn't be nft you know not not fungible it would be fungible sure. okay yeah yeah both both platforms will have their um, their advantages and and uh, drawbacks but um, it is possible to mint several places but okay. all your assets will remain visible in your wallet like this one single place online um, that is very sensitive Mm -hmm. that all, that's something that we can also talk about afterwards but uh, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, if if it's compromised if your wallet is comprom compromised then that's it's pretty bad <laughs> for sure because if you say it there you've got all of your assets whether you own them or whether you bought them plus all of your money inside in one wallet so if your wallet is compromised all that is gone 
Um, yeah. And like, you know, I kind of touched on it there a second ago with the topical aspect in relation to minting, because there's a lot of work apparently is involved in doing that and writing that digital asset onto the blockchain. And a blockchain, I imagine, is a chain of data blocks that are linked together, yep. hence the name. Um, so it has to be written as code into that blockchain. And I think that's where the challenge comes in then, because it takes a lot of energy to be able to do that from people that you say sitting behind the computers and are you know writing this code and writing it in forevermore as a digital world or a digital string of whatever it may be on this uh, blockchain. So there's a lot that at, at the moment where people are saying, if you are utilizing this, you are now creating a bad carbon footprint because of the amount of energy that has to be used in relation to that. Now, I don't know. I mean, it's something I'm interested in. I've seen stories in such in relation to it. I don't know the actual impact and the severity. And I don't even know if people can quantify the impact and the severity in relation to that. But what's your thoughts on, on that side of it? Yes, that's that's. Um, I think we should start having this talk now because uh, uh, it's the it's it's becoming a lot of um, you know almost uh, almost uh, very controversial on on social media now with uh, mm -hmm. you know dividing even the the photography community. So I think it's it's healthy to have this conversation uh, amongst photographers and also um, uh, the people behind and you know the pretty much everyone involved in in that. Um, mm -hmm. so from what I, I've been gathering in the past, in the past weeks, because I think now it's, uh, it's gaining a lot of momentum online. Um, mm -hmm. and, um, yes, I think it, from what I gathered, it has a big carbon footprint. I'm not sure either though, where it comes from, you know, uh, as opposed to any other things that you do online, like, uh, a typical transaction if you're buying your next car online, for example, or your next computer online, like what mm -hmm. is the cost of having a bank transfer in terms of carbon footprint versus minting an NFT? Mm -hmm. I know it, it must, you know, that's a lot of code probably. Um, so I went online and I found a few, um, a few figures. So I'm not sure again, you know, argue that's very arguable. Those maybe reliable, reliable sources. Some might not sure. be. Yeah. Um, I'm just reading what I what I found online, um, and they they're saying, Digi Economist, Digi Economist, sorry, uh, which is the source estimates a single Ethereum transaction's carbon footprint at 33.4 kilogram of CO2, while while artists and programmer Mimo Atkin estimates that an average transaction specifically for NFTs has a carbon footprint of about 48 kilos, as opposed to 2.3 kilos of CO2 if you were to mail an art print, which is 14 times the, the amount uh, of, of minting an NFT. But now I'm, you know, reading those numbers, I'm not sure, you know, mailing an art print if they're mailing it overseas where they're mailing it to um, then we there's a lot of things involved as well with with um, you know printing something and the cost of ink the material the canvas um, you know all of this has a cost and it's different for for everyone and for everything basically so and also from the chats the chat rooms that I've been participating in 
in the past weeks, um, we've been discussing it a lot also online. And, you know, I've heard a lot of people say that it's virtually impossible to put the finger on precisely the amount of carbon uh, dioxide that that minting NFT, like a single NFT is producing, basically. Okay. Uh, so I, I'm not sure if we are comparing the same things, if we're comparing different things, if those comparisons are even, you know, um, reliable and, and you know, uh, significant. But um, as of now, that's, that's you know, the, the big topic. It is producing apparently a lot of carbon dioxide. And my take on it is that, you know, reasoning with the figures that I have and, and my own experience is that the action of minting, the minting process and all the people standing behind all the computers, most of them are in based in the US. And um, I've also looked online at the current, you know, percentage of where the US is taking or producing their energy from. And it looks like, unfortunately, as of now, they're producing the, most of their electricity from fossil fuels, so not necessarily renewable energies. Um, so I would tend to believe that now, yes, I have to agree that minting an NFT is probably worse in terms of environmental cost uh, versus mailing an art print as of mm -hmm. the present time. But... NFTs are here to stay. They're not going away anytime soon. I think that's probably, I'm not sure if I go too far by saying it's the future of, of, of art, but you know, they're here to stay at least in the near future, in a few years to come. So I think we, instead of, you know, uh, being stuck with a problem, we should start finding a solution. And I think future wise, uh, in the near future, at least, mailing an art print will be more uh, costly to us uh, rather than producing electricity because producing electricity can be done from renewable energies, right? And that will be greener. Mm -hmm. Now, inventing a plane or a cargo that can work on electricity, now that I would like to see and that's that's probably not going to be done in the next few years, and mm -hmm. those will still be running on on fossil fuels. So the potential for NFTs to become greener is much higher, in my opinion, than you know mailing an art print. So it's mm -hmm. like a lot of a lot of transitions that we have. Yes, we're we're a bit sloppy at the start, you know. It's it's we're we're humans, yeah. Yeah, we're, it's trials and errors, right? Yeah. So, um, yes, as of now, it, it, the carbon offset of those NFT of minting NFTs is very high, apparently. But I believe that we can do much better, and ultimately, and I think in the quite near future, we can do much better than analog and you know physical art print. Um, mm. Yeah. So, so do you think, in relation to it, that as we evolve from our energy production? it's going to become more energy efficient than all the trucks that are required, all the planes that are required, all the material that's required in relation to the factory that has to produce the ink, the factory has to produce the machines that will produce the ink, the factory that has to produce the machines that will produce the paper, the paper that's been 
you use the, the trees that are being cut down to produce the paper, the wood, the trees that are being cut down to produce the wood. You're creating something which is digital away from a physical form without all of the ancillary baggage, let's just say, that will always be there unless you find a more efficient route to get it from the artist to the wall of the owner. Whereas it's the methodology at the moment. The theory of NFT is a digital asset, but the way that it has to be written into the blockchain is where the energy inefficiencies are. And you're saying that it's in the U.S. Why is it all in the U.S.? Why isn't it somewhere else where it can be more energy energy efficient? Why does it have to be in the U.S.? I'm not sure. Um, and I, I don't pretend to know enough in that domain, unfortunately. Mm, okay. But, um, but the, I think, yeah, the, the, the main point here is that, uh, uh, like I said, the NFT world is here to stay. There, you know, it's it, an art form that is, in my opinion, the, the future of, of art. And the, the second point is we are ultimately every day we're consuming more and more energy anyways. And, you know, we yes, we can talk about NFTs, but we can also talk about a lot of new things that we, we invent and that we produce that consume, a, you know, a ton more energy than, than NFTs. But I think the argument here, and I think a lot of people are mixing the arguments you know, using this argument as a platform to, um, I guess, to, uh, how, how should I put it, um, a, a platform to get to another argument, which is, you know, they don't really understand why NFTs are um, are good or, or um, you know, they, they probably think NFTs are useless, we can print, you know, it, it's useless to have something digitally like on your phone mm -hmm. and so then they introduce this problem of of uh, energy but I, I think a lot of those people in their everyday lives i'm not saying all of them but a lot of those people in their everyday lives are you know not taking in a lot of things into consideration so mm -hmm. yes nft does cost a lot of energy right now but look at what you're doing on an everyday basis right Surely the same can be said for electric cars and the production of the batteries in electric cars. Some people are driving electric cars thinking I'm cleaner to the environment. Yes, you are from your own emissions, but the production of the lithium-ion cells is horrendous and the damage that happens from that, and that doesn't really come into it. Plus also the disposal of the lithium-ion cells is yep. even worse, worse for the environment. So, I mean, I think as as you say quite rightly, as things as evolve and get better, then ultimately you're removing the physicality, which is the real carbon impact per se and bringing that purely into a digital world and the amount of work and energy that's needed can be found in a cleaner environment as you say so it should end up becoming a much much better platform in the long term but of course right now it's not because the perceived aspect is the damage that it's doing far outweighs where we are damaging ourselves currently but that's as you say perspective you know, what would you say, 1.4 kgs, or so, I think you said a moment ago there in that statistic. But that's just from the artist to the wall. And that's yeah. pending if it has to go across the air as well. If it's going local in a car, fine, you got that. But it happens to have to go to it by air. It has to leave, has to be picked up, it has to go to the distribution center, distribution center to bring it to the airport. The airport has to bring it from there to the plane. Plane has to fly. And the same has to happen on the other end. And surely that's going to be more than 1.4 yeah. kgs. I would believe so. Um, yeah. this is why I always, I'm always a bit reluctant to, to, um, I operate by, uh, with an organism that, you know, that 
are that have like offices all over the world and they can print locally and because I, I, I hate sending prints, you know, over over plane. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. So, yes, am I guilty of, of uh, you know, using a lot of energy? Probably. But if you think about it, if we just, for example, covered the, I think it's like 5% of the Sahara Desert in solar panels, for example, then we mm-hmm. can, and not, not even 5% to, you know, uh, to counteract that uh, NFT minting production. Uh, mm, mm, you know, it's mm. it's ridiculous. The potential is here. Uh, we just have to act on it, versus mm-hmm. you know, Fighters. paperback and 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 mailing stuff. That's mm. not you know. That's uh, yeah. That's probably on the long run. That's probably going to be worse for the environment, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, most likely. No, I think you can good good insights into the the view in relation to it as well, Adrian. Thank you very much for kind of explaining it a bit more to me. Like, I think it's something I kind of understand a bit better now, but from your own point of view, you mentioned earlier that, you know, you've been in this scene for a short period of time and what successes have you had from it so far? So uh, before talking about the the successes that I've had in terms of, of uh, sales, mm-hmm. I think I should mention that uh, I am, you know the the NFT community and the NFT world came at a time where I was just about to probably go bankrupt with my company. Okay. So, you know, before talking about the financial aspect, sure, the community aspect of it is just incredible. And you know, coming from, I mean, I try, I really try to distance myself a lot from the photography world because I think it can be quite toxic because it's very saturated with mm-hmm. few actors and they already have a big name on social media. So it's first off, it's very hard to make a name of yourself if mm-hmm. you start from scratch mm-hmm. and also trying to engage with them. That's, you know, in most cases, that's probably not going to work because, you know, we, you know, yeah, it's <laughs> um, how it is. Yeah. It's, it's how it is. And the, the, NFT, especially the the photography world in NFTs, is so refreshing. And it came at a point where I think a lot of people needed it. A lot of photographers, whether they're small or big, um, they needed it. And it's kind of, it kind of like reshuffled the cards for everyone. You know, it doesn't matter if you have a name. It doesn't matter if you have a large following on social media. It's a place where everyone can interact and has to interact with their collectors. And the mm-hmm. collectors will, you know, collect anyways. And so I'd lo- I would love to take this moment to thank the community, um, the small group on, on Clubhouse, which is the Just Chilling group, which has been so tremendous in supporting, um, you know, NFT artists and photographers. Some of us, they had no experience with, with photography and... Okay. We've helped them and we've, you know, um, so, so what, what I mean to say is that um, it, the NFT world not only helps you make sales and get better, you know, bet, better finances, obviously, mm-hmm. but the community aspect is much better and by far, by a thousand, you know, a thousand percent better than what I what I had before on social sure. media, like small groups and the people I knew and, you know, gotcha. uh, well, I mean, I'm not 
I'm not saying I, I, I still had a lot of uh, very good contacts and made a lot of oh, friends for sure. on, yeah, on yeah, social gotcha. media. Yeah, but yeah. Um, in in the span of not even a month, I think I made more long-lasting connections and friends with the NFT world than what I would have made on social media. Wow. So yeah, I just wanted to mention that. I think it's important. So that's the first success is that. And then mm-hmm. the the other success, the, the financial, financial successes, um, I had three of them. So I had three sales in total uh, for a total of 12.5 ETH, which is a lot of money. Wow, um, yeah. I just, you know, when, when, you, when I made my first sale, I was just, you know, oh, my jaw was on the floor. I just could not blown believe away. it for me. Yeah. Oh, I was blown away because as I mentioned that, you know, I came at a point where um, I was very, very bad financially. My company was, uh, you know, I was COVID and mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I'm probably going to explain to you. Um, a bit more in relation to that. A bit yeah. more. Yeah. But, you know, so at that time, 12.5, no, actually, as, as we speak, 12.5 is about 23,000 euros. Wow. So that is, that's, that's a lot of money. Yeah, absolutely. And so, um, um, yeah, I, I do want to thank the collectors for that. And I, I just cannot thank them enough for, you know, uh, it's being very generous, wanting sure. to support, you know, believing in artists. And mm-hmm. um, I think the connection between the collector and the artist is much stronger in the NFT world than it is when someone picks up your work from, I don't know, your, your website or Instagram or Facebook. Sure. Yeah. And um, yeah, it's, it's just been tremendous on, on every aspects of the spectrum, basically, uh, for me, at least. Yeah, it's, look, it's, it's incredible. And, you know, to even think about it, like, was it around four or five months ago, as you said, you didn't know anything in relation to it. And then the timing of it comes, and it's the community, I think, around it, as you say, I think is the strongest part for you. You know, okay, you get the financial benefit, but that's not the main motivation. I think the motivation is the people, the people, the, the ecosystem that's around that has developed in relation to it. And I think, you know, from the photographer point of view as well, I think it's very, very important. And actually what I want to do next is I'll take a very, very quick break and we'll come back because I want to talk more in relation to what your thoughts are, what NFT are for the actual photographer. So we'll be right back after this. Sounds good. If you're enjoying this episode of the Irish Photography Podcast, why not jump back and listen to the back catalogue we have of episodes, where you'll get some great insights from fantastic guests, gear reviews, lots of hints and tips, and above all else, keeping you company while you drive or relax. Thanks very much for listening. Please consider subscribing, leaving a review wherever you're listening to this podcast. You're very welcome back to the Irish Photography Podcast. So, Adrian, thanks very much for a fascinating insight into the basics of me understanding. I think I now understand NFTs a bit more, but we kind of finished off there talking in relation to the photographer and the community, but more so in relation to the photographer. So do you think that NFTs kind of give control now back to the photographer in an online world? Because for so long, you put your image on the internet, you might as well say goodbye to it, it's gone, because anybody can take the image and such like that. And the, people don't even value work when you put so much work in relation to it, they see it online, they can steal it, repost it, and all of a sudden it goes viral elsewhere and it's never been, you know, back to the original artist. So do you think this gives control in a way back to the photographer? It absolutely does. And I think that's a very good point, at, uh, a very good question first and very good point that you have. And I will corroborate what you just said by, you know, 
intellectual property that's uh, something that is very dear to me, especially in the past year, because I've been struggling on social media to get my voice heard, especially on Facebook and Instagram, where vertically, um, virtually, sorry, everyone, every big hub would just, you know, collect my stuff, you know, mm -hmm. download the stuff, and whether it's it's be it would be pictures or time lapse or, or videos or and whatnot. And they would just repost it, some of them with credits, some of them with no, no credits at all. But mm -hmm. in, in all the cases, most cases, sorry, they just don't ask you first. And this mm -hmm. is, you know, in my book, that is, that is a no-go. And I think before last year, I wasn't really, uh, I was aware of it, but I wasn't really touchy on that. But now, you know, knowing that, that's a lot of money that is lost to me that I could have made, um, you know, some, you know, doing something else mm -hmm. than, you know, selling prints and whatnot. That's, that's a huge loss when you think about it. That's mm -hmm. photos, photo after photo being quote unquote stolen because this is what it is. You know, they say, we just shared your work featured and they say, but it, this is actually quote unquote use the work. Yes. Uh, it's actually using your work for uh, you know, um, to their profit basically because mm -hmm. they they gain gain much more by posting your picture than you gain from sure. them, and they yeah. have you they have you believe that you you know gain visibility and more followers, but in reality, I should tell you the percentage or the number of followers that you gain from a a, a single post on social media, whether it be on Instagram or Facebook, is minimal. Mm -hmm. like, yeah, maybe if it's a big hub that has like several millions of followers, one mm -hmm. post will get you maybe a hundred followers, mm -hmm. but the smaller ones, you know, like at 50 K hundred K you gain virtually nothing. Well, uh, yeah. as you mentioned, your work is being drowned in this sea of, of endless, you know, uh, dr you know, drowning pictures and drowning movie movies. But, um, yeah, it's it's been it's been a lot of um, going back and forth with copyright violations for me in the past years. Wow. Um, I've actually gained a lot of money from it in the past year. If if you know uh, for the listeners, please know that you have this is your work. Don't let other people take your work for free. Even if you're not a professional photographer, that's money that you could have made. You know, selling prints and doing something else. So mm -hmm. uh, know that you can get compensated for that work. Sometimes it does work, sometimes it doesn't. But filing reports, I know it takes a lot of time, but it, it does work. Mm -hmm. But so knowing this, um, the NFT world, again, come at a point where it could not have been worse for intellectual property, because now it's it, intellectual property is, you know, that's not something that that we consider mm -hmm. on social media, on the internet anymore. Anyone, like you mentioned, anyone can just like take a, an image from Google, from Facebook, and then make it their own and mm -hmm. use it, at, use it as, as their own. Um, and it's been like that for, for some years now. So the NFTs could not have come at a better time, in my opinion, because um, it, it puts value back on to the artist's work, whether it be pictures or movies, right? 
because they cannot be duplicated and because collectors are actually interested in those and having this one of one um, most of them are one of one. Um, mm-hmm. Some of them are part of collections, but yeah. So they're the you know if if they acquire a um, a piece of art, they're the only owner. You retain your copyrights, of course, as the artist, but yeah. they own the only copy. And yes, now it might sound and and look very ridiculous because anyone can take that picture that I just sold right uh, to a mm-hmm. collector. Mm-hmm. But they never had my authorization, basically. Sure. So, yes, it is, in my opinion, um, giving back the power to photography in general and the artists, and the photographers behind. Hmm. And, you know, you say there in relation to the collector, because the collector is somebody who obviously is interested in the work, has a connection either with the artist or with the piece of work. But... You know, who are the buyers? So who are the collectors? So again, I think it's only very recently, I think not even four or five months ago, that photography became sort of popular amongst uh, NFT collectors. Okay. You know, before that, NFTs, if you looked at NFTs two years ago, it was mostly animated GIFs, um, um, crypto game, figures, game you know, characters little, and stuff game, like that. Game characters, yeah. uh, pretty much like, uh, like cartoons. Mm-hmm. And, and now, you know, photography has, has gained a lot of weight and a lot of influence. Um, and it's become a, very trendy now amongst, amongst collectors. Okay. Now there aren't a lot of collectors yet, but as we speak, and actually as, uh, as, you contacted me for to to do the podcast. Uh, mm-hmm. I you know I did not know this then, but uh, that was maybe yeah a few days ago. But now, mm-hmm. and and that's something I think uh, people need to be aware of that is that the NFT world is evolving so fast. Like a day in the NFT world is equals months, if not years, in the real world. Okay. So it's evolving that fast. And so I've just seen in the past three to four days, maybe new smaller buyers, because there's this big buyer that buys for a lot of ETH. And he had been, I'm not citing any names though, but he had been collecting um, consistently over the past, uh, past months. And he was, he appeared to be the only buyer, but actually not Uh, there. Um, there are a lot of buyers now. Uh, I've seen at least five or six today that bought wow. from uh, from people that I know, from photographers that I know. And uh, yes, they're buying for for less ETH, but you know, um, I think the goal is to get more collectors in mm-hmm. in in the game. So to answer your question, who are the buyers? They do come from the NFT world. They've been here for a while, but they just did not know. Photography. They're not photographers. Most of them are not photographers. They don't know anything about photography. Okay. They just they just like what they see, and this is you know the principle of collecting something is you like what you see, right? And mm-hmm. you take an interest mm-hmm. without mm-hmm. going into detail. They don't. I don't think they care too much about like the settings of, of a photo. You know, like how to set up your camera and everything that sure. a lot of photographers are very enthusiastic about. 
but yeah, uh, they they love photography and what it has to offer, and it's been it's been the trend so far. So, fingers crossed that it continues that way. And tell me, how then do they decide that they want to buy? So they obviously have the ETH themselves and they want to purchase that so like you mentioned about people that have been nft space for a long period of time and obviously purchasing um uh gifts or even game characters or unique digital aspects of it there but like if somebody wants to buy right now how 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 did it how did they go about doing that then i mean they say that there was one now there's more so how is there more talk do you know in relation to that and how they would buy yeah so so back to the um uh, I think we have to go back to the minting process. So once you minted your work on the platform, you have to list it. So I know a lot of people talk about minting. Uh, minting just means engraving your asset in the blockchain, but mm-hmm. now you need to put it for sale, basically. And um, now it's it depends on... Um, all the platforms are different. And it, it depends. Some of them are conditions uh, about listing your your work and meaning putting a price tag on your work basically sure yeah and um uh, some of them take a little percentage off of that uh of that price when you sell okay some of them have uh, different conditions um but so once you listed your your artwork artwork for um for a price then a collector might be interested so they usually spend time on social media looking for um, for NFT artists. They uh, browse on the platforms themselves, even though it's becoming quite a large pool of, of, uh, of NFTs, I guess. It's quite yeah. hard to yeah. get your work seen and for collectors to find something that they like. Mm-hmm. Um, so yes, when they do find something that they like, they um, uh, so they go to the platform and some of them work with auctions okay some of them work with offers and some of them work you know you can you can choose to sell something for a fixed price so depending on the platform lots of them work with auctions and so uh the the buyer the collector would place a bid um of course higher than the uh, the reserve price which is the the, the term that is used to, sure. um, to to describe the the price that you've given to your uh, yeah, to your base NFT, level, yeah. the base yeah. level, right? Yeah. And so the auction ends when the uh, uh, you know um, usually depends. Sometimes it's after twenty four hours. Sometimes it's uh, it's the 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 uh, sorry the artist can decide. And. Once it does, once the uh, the auction ends, then the the piece goes to the high, uh, highest bidder, mm-hmm. and so it it gets it's still in your collection, but it's it's owned by the collector. So okay. Of course, they 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 bought it, so it appears now in their wallet. Uh, if that makes sense. Okay. Yeah. So 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 they've bought that. And now, yep. can they do something then with that as well? Can they then decide to keep that forever? Can they decide to sell that again? Can you decide to sell it again? Can you still print the image? I mean, what happens there after they've bought it? it can, oh. Does it stop there? 
it does not stop there. So different options from there. Um, from your side, there's nothing much you can do, at least from for the same NFT and on the same platform. Actually, okay. for the same NFT, because you cannot mint it again. Right. Once it once it's sold and it's living on the blockchain, you cannot mint something that is similar. Okay. And if you did, for example, it's there's been a little bit of controversy. For example, let's say you were selling a time lapse, and then you were putting for sale a frame graph from that time lapse. Right. That would create a bit of controversy, you know, uh, mm-hmm. because you're basically selling something that is that has already sold to someone. So that someone might come and say to you, well, hey, um, hello, <laughs> yeah. what are you doing? So mm-hmm. I think it happened in the past. And so uh, to be from your side, I think you should not do anything. You should be very aware of your collector and um, especially at, at those prices, you know. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But from the collector's perspective, then they have the choice to either keep it that lives forever mm-hmm. in their wallet. Um, they can burn it if they don't like it at some point. To burn something is to erase it from, take it away from the blockchain. Right, okay. They can do that. And then the third option is if they so wish it, they can trade it on uh, the secondary market because there is a secondary market for NFTs. Okay. And so also, once more, it depends on the platform. Um, but um, a, bit of, a bit of the funds, if they, if, if they succeed in um, relisting, of course, at a higher price and mm-hmm. selling it again, Mm-hmm. then you will get a little percentage of that. And you can, oh. on some platforms, you can set the percentage of what you get. Uh, some of some platforms have 10%. For example, OpenSea has 10%. Uh, Foundation, I think you can you can go to 15%, if I'm not okay. mistaken. So, okay. uh, yeah, it all depends. But there is a secondary market. And um, I know some some collectors only collect in, in the, they only see, you know, fi- financial gain from, um, uh, from Part NFTs, thing. you know, like yeah. the value yeah. behind. Yeah. And they're saying, oh, you know, they're betting that this piece of art, art will become very popular in a year's time, for example. So they decide to, they've, they've collected it for two ETH, for example, and then they decide to sell it again for, I don't know, 15 ETH, something mm-hmm. that the, the, that's the, the idea. Yeah. Yeah. That's the idea. And I've seen, I've seen that a lot, something that I would not think, you know, I would never think of, 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 um, minting and listing something for 15 ETH, 15 ETH but mm-hmm. maybe the collector sees something in it and mm-hmm. then will list it again for that price. Okay, so um, how then does the photographer you know, sell? What does the photographer need to do to kind of get set up uh, to have, number one, I suppose to have an image that they would think is good enough to sell on an NFT anyway, first and foremost. But yeah, they picked that image. Okay, what do they need to do? I mean, of course... You know, you need the basics, I suppose, really. You need to be on the internet, you have your computer and everything else. But how does somebody go about then listing an item? What do they do? All right. So a uh, few steps. First one is to create your wallet online. So a platform like MetaMask will do. I think there are other platforms, but I use personally MetaMask. Okay. Uh, it works well. It's just uh, a plugin that you can download for... for um, it doesn't work on Safari. It works on Chrome. Uh, and uh, other browser, but for some reason it doesn't work on Safari. Anyways, okay. yeah. so download the plugin, create your wallet, 
and um, to get you started, you need some ETH. So you need to buy some ETH first um, from your your own um, uh, fiat. It's called fiat currency. So whether it's euros or dollars or anything else, you need to buy some ETH to get you started because okay. some of the platforms ask for a little bit of ETH. And that's something I haven't talked about yet is uh, the fees that goes or that go behind, um, mm-hmm. you know, minting and, and creating your and this whole basically. platform yeah yeah mm-hmm. uh, so get a little bit of eth to get you started uh, to pay for uh, for fees and then uh, once your, your wallet is created then you can decide what platforms are best for you um, if I have to give you two uh, off the top of my head I would I would talk about OpenSea that's more of the you know as, as its name suggests it's like a it's like a a big sea of, of NFTs. It's yeah. very easy to mint. It doesn't cost you anything. I think it costs you a little fee at the start to create your uh, your account, mm-hmm. but it doesn't cost anything to mint and to list. Uh, okay. While on Foundation, for example, which is another platform, it costs every time, uh, it costs a, a fee every time you mint and you list an okay. NFT. So it's something you to be aware of. Okay. Um, and th- that's called gas fee because it, it needs um, um, the, the the miners behind the minting process they need gas to um, to mint that's sure. like a, a metaphor basically sure, to yeah. say you know <laughs> they, yeah, they yeah. need something to and the higher price the higher fee you pay you have different options you can pay very a very low fee but then you need to be aware that you're it's going to take ages for your nft to be minted Right. So the higher you pay, uh, the more your NFT or the, the the order gets on top of the list or on okay. top of the pile, and then okay. you the, the faster it goes, the faster the process goes, basically. So, yeah, something to to be aware of, and so, um, yes, once your wallet is created, once you're on the platform, your account is something that uh, you. I haven't realized for at first, but you're when you come to an NFT platform, your account is pre-created. That means once you have a wallet, if you enter to that the, the wallet address to that platform, mm-hmm. it will recognize your account that okay. you, that is associated with that the wallet. And of course, you're gonna have to put a profile picture, make uh, you know, make a little compose a little bio, sure, and, and links and put in links. But um, you will be recognized, it you know, uh, and like I said, most platforms don't have fee to to start this, except mm-hmm. for OpenSea, for example. There's a little fee, but that's ridiculous. That's almost nothing. Uh, there are other platforms like uh, I should mention Super Rare, for example, but Super Rare is very exclusive. It's, it works on not only on invite only, but the selection process. Uh, it's like a, a little jury creating. All right, okay, to get in, yeah. yeah. It's, it, it's very hard to get in. You need to have a, 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 like a project almost. Okay. Um, and they, you need to send in videos, you know, presenting your work, why you're a good fit for that platform and everything. So it's a bit harder. Mm-hmm. Foundation is harder as well. Uh, it's not as hard as Super Rare, in my opinion, but it's still a little bit you know, uh, you, it's on invite only, so you need to know someone with invites. Okay. And someone who is on foundation only gets 
three invites for the first sale he they make, and then afterwards um, they get an invite. I think for every invitee uh, that that sells. Basically. Okay. Okay. So it's a bit okay. complicated, but it there you don't have a lot of invites. So it, mm-hmm. it I think they 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 look to you know restrain the number of people sure. in foundation yeah. to make it, it more exclusive. Sure. Uh, also, foundation takes fifteen percent off of your sale. Something that you need to know. <laughs> okay. Um, that's quite significant. Versus mm-hmm. OpenSea doesn't take anything. That means when you sell for two thousand dollars or two ETH. You sell for two ETH, no, okay. no hidden fees, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Gotcha. And so, yeah, um, mint and list the work that you have, and put the value. I think we're going to talk about it. Uh, talk about it in the in the advice afterwards. That I can give you, yeah, uh, to set the value of your work, and then, um, yeah, basically advertise it on social media, and you're good to go. So you don't want to miss to to mint something that isn't going to be as we call it, a banger image that's going to get the attraction that somebody's going to want to buy. Likewise, you need to have a big following, or do you not need to have a big following for your art to be spotted and your art to get out there? I mean, that's the kind of a question that I've thought in relation to it. Can the the average person, you know, with a good image? get it up there, get it seen, get it sold? Or do you have to have that big following and post it up on social media in the hope that you catch on with one collector that likes the image? What's the story with that? Well, at least in in my experience, my short experience, yeah. um, I, um, I would say no. It, and that's that's refreshing news. You know, that's that was almost music to my ears when, when uh, mm-hmm. it's like mm-hmm. you don't need a big name. Um, mm-hmm. I, I personally don't consider myself a big name. I have a bit of a following on on Facebook, but my Instagram is is moderately high, not that you know, not that high compared to other photographers. But sure. I know of other big photographers that are um, that got into N- uh, and NFTs and started found on Foundation and started on OpenSea and everything, and they haven't sold at all, and and they have millions of followers. Wow. Uh, across social media. So I would say no. Um, having a big following doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be successful in the NFT world. And I think it has to do with the fact that NFT collectors, they don't care primarily, you know, uh, if, if you have a name. Mm-hmm. I think most of them, if they like, and that's, that's an important aspect. And again, I think it reshuffles the cards. If they like what they're seeing, they will they will buy it no matter mm-hmm. what mm-hmm. you know regardless of you being uh the the um, big name or not the, I, i'm not gonna <laughs> i'm not gonna yeah. say names but yeah you know, yeah it, it just doesn't matter in my opinion so anyone can anyone can enter if they feel like uh they 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 have the interest of of selling nfts they mm. should try probably mm. And, you know, I think possibly as well, you say there, a collector is looking to purchase something in the hope that it's going to go big. I mean, they'd probably be more attracted to the lesser known person because the chances are they're going to get big at some stage rather than somebody who's already big. Uh, They might end up paying more for that image because that name is already big. So if they're buying the image, it's like, you know, it's like it's artwork. It's like paintings. You know, you'll 
you'd love to get a Monet before Monet was known. You'd know mm-hmm. that it'd be worth millions. I mean, at the beginning, the big artists were starving artists. They didn't have the you know, notoriety and the value attached to their work and such like that. So I think it's an interesting concept uh, from what the collector is doing because the collector is banking on this piece of work not the artist as such, but also it is linked to the artist because will that artist still got huge room to grow and expand or have they already reached that level? So like I say, it could be a saturation point reached during that. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, we've kind of alluded to it earlier on in relation to, you know, different um, approaches. So like what advice would you give to somebody who wants to sell? All right. So once more, I don't pretend, I mean, I'm going to give you know. some, from what I know, I'm going to give some advice, but again, you know, please know that I, that my experience is very, very little and very short and I don't pretend to know enough to sure. be giving advice hundred percent, like to, to be uh, mentoring someone on, on NFTs. But if I had to, to give a, you know, a few pieces of advice, I would say the first one would be when determining the price of your artwork, uh, I think you should place more importance in your own assessment and reasoning than looking at others' work and the prices of the market or the behavior of a given collector. Mm-hmm. And because it's good to remember that the space is in its infancy and there is there's not so much competition just yet. Um, so if you believe your work is worth, I don't know, 10, 15 ETH, then just go for it, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, Especially if you have a a very special attachment to that picture, like like a sentimental, has a sentimental value, so much hard work went behind that picture. So yes, of course it's going to be, there's an argument there. So of course it's going to be priced highly, valuable to you. And then remember that you, you price something that you sell, it's a one of one for most platforms, right? So try to, you know, in your head to calculate the, the price, if you were to sell a print, you know, uh, that you're going to send to this one person and you're, you're never going to print it again. Mm-hmm. Of course, it's going to be in the thousands of dollars. So mm-hmm. that just, that really justifies the high prices of NFTs. Um, so don't judge others. Don't look at others as, as a reference. I think it's very important that you look at yourself and, your own assessment of your own worth and the the, the work that went behind the picture uh, mm-hmm, to mm-hmm, mm-hmm. to evaluate to assess the the, the value. So mm. uh, the second piece of advice is to definitely even if you don't have an account to be on Twitter, because from what I've seen in the past uh, months or weeks, I guess I should say is that uh, platforms like Instagram and, and Facebook, and I think you mentioned it, in, they're not really you know, relevant for, for NFTs because um, there, there's a lot of backlash at the moment on Instagram anyways. And mm-hmm. it, it, you know, collectors are probably on Facebook or, or TikTok or whatever platform, but mm-hmm. most of them are on Twitter. So if you don't have an account yet, just create one and try to, um, it's very important to engage with collectors without shilling um and uh you know when you show something is when you uh say hey look at my work uh you know on their on their tweet for example like you will see a lot of people a lot of collectors saying 
um, I'm, I have so much ETH today and I'm going to buy something. Uh, show me your NFTs. Then you can do it if you want. Sure. But, but don't go harass people if you know they're a collector, a potential collector. Don't go harass them on social media. That's the worst thing you can do. And I know, I know some uh, collectors who blocked and even worse, they burned. Um, wow. Actually, the, the, my very first day in the NFT world, um, I was uh, I, I got a, a sale on the very first day, which is wow. crazy. Yeah. And this guy on Twitter, he was one of my followers, obviously. Um, and he, you know, I, I was just tweeting about my my sale and how amazed I was I was at that sale and that, at that collector, uh, and thankful. And then he tweeted something in the thread saying, "Hey." Um, look at my work, you know, a collector, look at my work. And then what I didn't know was that um, artist had already sold to that collector maybe yeah. a week before. And wow. the collector had, was, you know, absolutely resented that guy uh, all of a sudden. And then he went, he burned actually the, the piece that he, he bought and he blocked the, that guy on all platforms. So, um, if when I have he, one piece of advice, yeah, don't don't force people onto your work. When he burned that, did that also burn the eat that he had paid, or did the artist keep the eat? Oh yeah, no, that's uh, uh, um, the the transaction is still engraved. So uh, the the eth is is for him is uh, I guess them <laughs> should reveal shouldn't reveal who they are, but yeah, um, the eth is gone for the collector, obviously. But um, so when you burn something, you just burn the the asset, the NFT. Yeah. Uh, that means yes, you 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 bought it, so you lost money. But yeah. you're not gonna have this this piece in your collection anymore. Mm, gotcha. Um, gotcha. I think it, it's it's more of um, when people burn things. I think it's it's more of a how it looks and how it feels, kind of kind of feeling. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, they mm-hmm. I don't think they they care a lot about about the ETH about the, the money. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I suppose, you know, when you talk in relation to an online world there, I think there's a lot of things that people would be scared of because it's an unknown area. There's a lot of different things you're talking in relation to this, you know, getting a wallet done, you know, setting up an account and foundation or whatever it may mm-hmm. have been. So like, yeah. how safe is that environment? Is there areas to be careful of? You have to be conscious, obviously, of your, you know, online security and scams. Yes. And that's, that's awesome that you pointed it out because uh, it's a very new space right now. And of course, as every new space, even old, I guess, but even even more so in new spaces, um, is the uh, the rise of of scams and scammers. And mm-hmm. in the past week alone, I think I've seen you see them on Twitter, unfortunately, because those people being scammed, they usually tweet about it. Mm-hmm. And you realize that uh, they've had their wallets completely emptied of of both NFTs and ETH that they had collected in the past, which sometimes right. is worth, you know, ten, twenty thousand dollars Yeah, as you create your wallet, you really want to be careful about um, th- those people. And you're going to notice probably you're going to start receiving DMs and, and emails about potential collaborations Please, please, please do not fall into the trap, and and above all, do not click any links 
that are in the original messages. That's how the hackers or the scammers get into the your wallet. the wallet. And once they have access to the wallet, you're you're done for. You it's gone. Like you, yeah. You just you can just forget about it. So it's also good advice to have there like a more a more secured ledger basically okay. that you can have on, on your computer. It's not online, so okay. it's like a sort of a backup ledger wallet, if you will. So your own um, local encrypted copy of the ledger, is it? Exactly, and that's okay. that's much safer to have, especially that's um, that's recommendable if you have. Um, like a lot of ETH, ETH in your, it's like a, it's like a save, like not a saving account, but like like a sparing, sparing account that you cannot touch. Basically, you can't, mm-hmm. you can't touch about, you can't, sorry, <laughs> you can't touch it. But it's just uh, it's sort of like locked away from, from, um, from scammers from because it's yeah, not gotcha. online. Gotcha. And I, I suppose one final question I have for you, and that is, let's just say you've got this ETH and it's in your wallet. Can you take that out and turn it into real money? Yes, you can, um, and you can decide to when you have ETH. I think it depends on your on your philosophy. Um, I personally needed the money, so I, I, you know, I'm I'm not sorry and and not sorry to say, and you know, I, I'm not going to hide it. Yes, I, I cashed out the 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 ETH mm-hmm. because I needed the money. Like I said, I I was in a very tough situation financially sure, yeah. because yeah. of that. And that allow, allowed me to invest. You know, I haven't made investments in three years now. So, um, you know, some people will keep the ETH because they it's cryptocurrency, so it's very volatile and, it, you mm-hmm. know, it goes up, it goes down. And they, they're probably betting that in some years it's going to be worth, I mean, if one ETH is worth $2,000, $2, for example, in 10 years, it might be worth, you know, 10x that. And mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah, they're betting on it uh, because if it if it follows the course of um, Bitcoin, for example, yeah, uh, then that, you know, they're planning on that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's it's your own your own choice. You might want to keep a bit of ETH to, to trade in the future. And uh, that could be your retirement money. That can be, you know, a fund. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can also cash it out. It just, it just depends on on your, um, your philosophy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, I think you've really, really explained it there from the detail that you have. Of course, as you say, it's only based on your own experiences in relation to the whole short term in NFT. But you know, my take from this is that it's an opportunity for somebody to get some value out of their work. Yes, there is a trade-off currently in relation to the carbon footprint, but that's all cryptocurrencies, as far as I understand, because all cryptocurrencies are part of a mining aspect anyway to create that coin. Ultimately, cryptocurrencies are going to be accepted in as a part of the normal part of currency going forward. So I think that argument potentially will diminish and ultimately go away once the energy levels and energy creation is being addressed, which I think it is anyway, from a global point of view. But it it's is. been, you know, really interesting to kind of learn more. I don't, I still, I kind of understand it, but I still don't understand it because I think the best way to understand it is actually do something and mm-hmm. to kind of figure all the different steps and the pitfalls. But I think your advice there, Adrian, has been really, really good. And I think, you know, it's, it'll be interesting, I think, for me to see how the whole NFT will pan out in the next six months, because in the last five months, it's gone stratospheric. Where is mm-hmm. it going to be again in six months' time? Where is it going to be in two years' time? I mean, it's a, it's an emerging um, 
route to market, it's emerging not only just from a money point of view, but also for people to see your brand and to see your work and to, you know, build your business. And I mean, your business is not about one photo. Your business is about what you can provide and what you can do. And, you know, from even your images, like, and actually just one thing I want to talk to you about, I suppose, in relation to something that I've seen when I first looked at your images was your Northern Lights images, man, are just absolutely <laughs> off the charts. Oh, like Thanks, <laughs> off the charts. I mean, you know, I, I know you say it's outside your door and you can see it and stuff like that. Okay. But you still have to know how to take the image. You still have to know how to predict because you've got a phenomenal ability to be able to understand those. And that's not something I think that everybody would have. So like the, the Northern Lights to me, I've never seen the Northern We spoke about this on Clubhouse. I've never seen the Northern Lights. And it's something that it's a bucket list thing for me. And I know that when I do go see them, where am I going to go? I'm going to go to somebody who's going to know where they are and can show me. So I can guarantee you that's going to be something that when I do get the opportunity to go see the Northern Lights, I'll go see them with you. But I think you'll ever get bored of the Northern Lights by any chance, will you? <laughs> no, I don't think it's possible for me to get bored. Um, as I mentioned, I, you know, got hooked eight years ago in Denmark and uh, I never looked back ever since I, you know, I, I went from being a teacher to picking up a, um, a, a camera just because of the Northern Lights and then mm -hmm. I made it my full-time job and now I live right under the the Northern Lights. So I, you know, when I look back at eight years of of, of chasing the, the Aurora, um, I would say every single time it's different, you know, mm -hmm. photographing the moon, photographing the Milky Way, it's all nice and there's always more things you can do more technique more details and everything but the milky way for example it and or the moon it's like your good old friend coming back in the sky it and change yeah it doesn't change that much but the aurora um it always changes in terms of shapes colors you know from one night to another it's never going to be the same um you know i love i love the that aspect of aurora photography that virtually no one, if they're not standing next to you and not knowing about Aurora, can have the same shot of that shape uh, of Aurora, which can be quite unique. Sometimes it looks like animals, you know, uh, like like an angel, a phoenix, a, mm -hmm. a dragon, I don't know, a, a butterfly. Um, so it's it's what makes it really unique. And that's probably why I made it my, my specialization now, actually. So... Yeah. No, to to answer it answer it shortly, I don't think I could ever get bored. Well, I I don't think you ever get bored of it, to be honest. You know, but I think I was when you as you're explaining it there, it kind of reminds me why I I love seascape photography because every single wave is different. Nothing is ever going to be the same, and you know you can go to the same place every single day and get a different image because the water is always going to be flowing differently, different ferocity, breaking off the waves this way, bouncing back, and I know. I've seen, you know, the time lapses that you've done and you can look up and you can go, okay, is that going to go? And all of a sudden it just goes all of a sudden, these colors. Then you say about the shapes and then you get pillars and these mm -hmm. pillars, I'm like, man, this is like 3D. This is just <laughs> ridiculous. You know what I mean? So like it, it's a phenomenal body of work that you've created so far. And I suppose, how can people find your work? Where can people find your incredible work? Again, thank you so much for all the praise. I'm, <laughs> That's I'm, true I'm story. Really so man. bad at taking compliments. <laughs> but, That's true story. Um, so, if people were to find my work, they would. Uh, I have a website that they can uh, look for. It's 
It's pretty straightforward. Um, it's www.nightlightsfilms.com. Okay. Um, and they, I'm on all major platforms. Uh, I do a lot of videos as well, so I'm on YouTube and Vimeo. But uh, for all platforms, if they um, if they search for Night Light Films or Night Lights, the logo is is uh, three mountains with stars and aurora, so they can easily find me there. Uh, all of my handles are. Um, are night lights or night lights films and i'm on twitter facebook instagram um all the major platforms basically and you also and, yeah, yeah go on, don't, like, don't, don't dismiss it you've also had your work as well in lots of programs and documentaries tell me about that yeah so um i'm it's quite a secret now so i i'm under uh um, oh, an NDA. Under nda yeah so yeah. I, I i cannot really speak about it but it's going to be big but uh, as you know, uh, as for starters, they can also find my work uh, on Netflix. And wow. so I'm, you know, the funny part is um, I, I received a message uh, that was a few years ago, you know, saying, "Hey, we want to license your some of your licenses, uh, some of your sequences." Sorry, and uh, I say, "Yeah, go ahead." So I sold them some of the the licenses. They did not tell me where it was going to end end up, and then. One of my friends one day told me, Adrian, I think I saw some of your time lapses on Netflix. And I'm like, I go, what? Mm. <laughs> and so sure enough, that that uh, production company uh, ended up, you know, producing a, a documentary that that is on Netflix actually currently now that is called Night on Earth. Okay. And so some of my uh, uh, archive uh, sequences can be found in episode two. I think it's called the not the long night or not the, it sounds like Game of Thrones, but it's, I think it's the, the, the cold night, something like that. It's, it's Aurora mm-hmm. sequences. Um, and so. Night on Earth series, episode two on Netflix. Yep. And uh, so that's, that's, that's the big one. I have several uh, other small platforms. I think it's not really relevant, but uh, keep watching in the next years because I have uh, a few, a few contracts with uh, those production companies. Fantastic. So uh, you should be able to see my sequences Brilliant. on the uh, and, and I suppose, you know, the, the, the kind of almost second to last question that I have actually for you is, like you mentioned in relation to kind of teaching and helping people to learn and such like that. Like, talk to me in relation to how do you help people? Like, with workshops? Is it online courses? Is it one-to-ones? How do you help people improve? So... Yeah, education is, it's been, you know, I was a teacher before, so it's been um, a, a big part of of, of uh, what I wanted to do with photography. And as soon as I, I not only learned from a lot of people at the start, you know, watching a lot of tutorials. And mm-hmm. uh, so it's only fair for me to share the knowledge. Of course, it's, you know, it's my work now, so I, I need to put a price on it. I need to yes, sure. service. So yeah, um, I I'm I'm usually willing to answer questions, but you know if it goes a bit more into the the realm of of technicality and 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 gear and everything, then you mm-hmm. know you know I orient people towards my my workshops. So I do not hold a lot of physical workshops. Uh, I have in the past when I was a guide at the Aurora Borealis Observatory, I was there in the field doing workshops with clients, but now. With the COVID restrictions, especially here in Norway, I'm uh, more of an online workshop 
photographer. Okay. And so, um, especially now I can't, I can't really travel cause I'm in between the two shots. It's very delayed here in Norway. So I haven't gotten my, uh, my second shot yet. So I'm, you know, uh, all of my travels are on hold as of mm -hmm. now. So I do everything online. I do two sorts of classes online. I do one-on-one -on -one astrophotography, post-processing. It's for all levels. So it can be beginners or advanced and okay. it includes tons of techniques and softwares, whether it be, you know, um, star reduction, bringing contrasts, um, stretching the curves, um, using using uh, panorama softwares, Photoshop, Lightroom, you name it. P even oh. Pixel PixInsight, which I've uh, I've learned about recently. So, and the second class is how to successfully chase the aurora. Uh, mm. So mm. it's the science behind the aurora, how to predict the aurora, how to experience the aurora, and how to photograph and film it. And it comes from this uh, very comprehensive iBook. It's only available for Apple devices as of now. I'm working on a paperback and a um, an ebook version for Android wow. uh, phones. And it it's very com comprehensive with tons of... Um, um, tons of uh, videos and and um, innovative interactive figures, uh, and it's about chasing the aurora as well. It's for all level. It's color coded. It's really. Uh, nice. I worked so hard to to, you know, to put it in in this uh, in this book. So, if you want to check it out, it's on my website. Uh, if you're planning a trip in the near future, I strongly recommend that you um, you read it. Yeah, because there are for tons sure. of misconception about the aurora. You probably know yourself. Well, I don't know much about the Aurora, but I'm sure there can be plenty of misconceptions out there because it is the internet and that is all about opinions. And that's, I think, where, you know, opinions can spread very quickly and gain legs and such like that as well. So what I'll do is like I'll be putting links and stuff anyway to how people can you know, find you online. I'll put a link as well into that into the show notes in the description and the, the podcast. So, um, Adrian, all I have to ask you is one last question, you know, is like, what's next for you? What's going to be happening now? Like you've a lot on. You've, you know, you've got a lot that's been paused, but, you know, you've still go outside the door and you see the Aurora. So, like, what can we see from, you know, in the, in, in, in the coming months? So, so that's, that's a really good question and a very tough one for me because mm. I haven't been really spreading it on social media. But uh, uh, two years ago in March, I unfortunately caught the virus and uh, oh. I, it was a mild version at first, but then I, uh, I'm one of those uh, people suffering from uh, the very debilitating long-term long-term effects of of COVID, okay. and so it's I've gone through. I mean, I'm not going to go into details because I don't sure. want to, yeah. you know. But um, yeah, I've I've gone through a very dark period of of not only my career and my life. So uh, it's progressively getting better now, which I'm really thankful for. Thankfully, but yeah. it's still you know I'm still suffering. Uh, I'm I'm still very reduced. As, as opposed to what I was able to do. I cannot mm -hmm. climb mountains anymore. I cannot, I don't think I could do a workshop in, you know, in the Dolomites, for example. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's just too much for me. I just, you know, I'm just out of breath and out of shape. So um, once I'm getting my second dose of the, of the vaccine, then, um, you know, I will feel a bit more confident mm -hmm. starting to travel again. And I have big, big, big projects like I said, I still have the contracts with the, the production companies. So sure, yeah. uh, they want to send me places to finish the documentaries. Nice. 
and I will also start doing, um, I will start receiving people to guide here in Tromsø. So I will open actually my physical, you know, uh, um, enterprise or, or, sure, uh, yeah. business, or company yeah. Yeah. business. And um, I will also start doing much, much more um, um, free tutorials on, on being active again, you know, like, like behind the scenes on, mm -hmm. Because now I'm I'm mostly behind the camera, you know, taking a lot of content and um, putting it out there. But I'm actually not in front of the camera and doing a lot of behind the scenes, traveling and you know, mm -hmm. being more out there. So this is what what's in store for me when I get the the second chance, the second dose of of the vaccine. Hmm. Interesting. So some some exciting things I think coming down the line in relation to it, and I've you know. You want to be producing some incredibly amazing content, I'm sure. So you'll want to be kind of getting out and going traveling and seeing different places. And I mean, I'm, for one, really looking forward to following along on your journey and seeing what you're able to produce. Because if it's half as good as what you produced already, then I think we're <laughs> going to be in for an incredible uh, treat over the next six months anyway. So look, um, Adrian, it has been an absolutely fantastic chat. Thanks very much for giving me your insights and what you know in relation to uh, NFTs and obviously you know the brief insight in relation to your incredible photography like I said you did a fantastic podcast with Bernard so I'll give a link in relation to that as well so if people want to go back and listen to that incredible chat that Bernard had with you as well it's been a pleasure listening to that side of things as well and uh, hopefully you know one day I will get and I will be over and I'll definitely be with the master who can understand <laughs> and cl click his fingers and there's the aurora and just there's outside the, the door yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, no. Darren, thank you. Yeah, thank you so much for uh, for for having me on the on the podcast. I think it's uh, it's very nice that you touched on. Um, uh, you know, that wasn't really planned, but that, that's I uh, I think I was gonna gonna mention it anyways. Uh, mm -hmm. You know that yeah, we start talking about the the problem of well, the apparent problem of um, uh, the arg let's say the arguable problem of NFTs yeah. and minting and uh, you know. Uh, energy efficiency and, and uh, uh, climate change and everything. So uh, thanks for engaging the conversation. And uh, I think it's important to uh, to hear all the sides of sure. the story and, and all the, the parties involved. So uh, that was my, my, I guess, short experience. I hope it, you know, people can benefit from it. So Again, thank you so much for having me. And Darren, my doors are open to you. If you <laughs> ever Super. decide to come and watch the Aurora, uh, yeah, my doors are wide open. Well, Bernard never stops talking about going there and what you can show. So yeah, I'll definitely be over and probably be over with Bernard as well at some stage, no doubt. But yeah, listen, look, from me in Ireland to you in beautiful Norway, until I see you in person, or if not, we talk again. No, we have a phrase in Ireland, it's, it's bye for now. It's in, in our Irish language. I always say at the end of the podcast, it's, Longer fall. There we go. <laughs> is that is that Gaelic? That's Gaelic, yeah. It's Gaelic for bye for nice. now, yeah. yeah. Nice. Brilliant. Hey guys, if you dig what you're hearing, why don't you jump over to iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts? Give us a five-star rating and don't forget to share with your friends. With all that done, we'll see you next week. And remember, keep shooting. <laughs>